everybody. Welcome to the Blackhawks on Tap post game show, a production of the Four Feathers Podcast, presented by the On Tap Sports Network. I'm Johnny Nani, joined tonight by Tony Marchese. Tony, been a little bit since we've talked to our listeners here, um, almost about a week now. Um, that is all due to the coronavirus. We all know what's happening. Everyone is self quarantining, social distancing, all of that stuff. Um, we've posted some details on our Twitter account about it, but. Tony Hawks classics are running on NBC sports Chicago. So we are here to talk about a Blackhawks winner. The very first one of the 2010 Stanley cup run, Tony, first of all, happy St. Patrick's day. And how are you doing? Cheers, buddy. Uh, I'm going to crack a beer real quick here. St. Patrick's day is always a great time to drink beers. I've been drinking beers all day. Uh, as you saw on the Twitter feed, uh, also into a little bit of a Jameson run here as well. Uh, feeling good, and man, did I need this tonight, of all nights, Johnny. Uh, NBC Sportsnet coming out, bringing out some Blackhawks classics. Um, what a better way to kind of celebrate the, what is this, the 10-year anniversary of this 2010 Cup team, Johnny, uh, than running back all the playoff victories. And that's what NBC Sportsnet's going to do. We're all in quarantine. We got nothing better to do. And man, this this was so needed, in my opinion. This was so needed for so many different reasons. You know, you would you would think even if if even if the Hawks kind of get the you know eliminated here from the playoffs as we kind of expected, and then uh, we get into summer, you would think that they would be running something for mm-hmm. the 2010 team. What a better way to keep people entertained. Uh, with the lack of sports than showing these games here right now. This was an excellent move, in my opinion. And we like to rag on them a lot, but this was an excellent move. Yeah, absolutely. So um, if you didn't know, as I had referenced in my little intro there, um, NBC Sports Chicago, as Tony had mentioned, they're running both Hawks Classics and Bulls Classics uh, over this next month here. Started tonight, kicked off with Game 2 of the Western Conference quarterfinals against the Nashville Predators. Obviously the first win of the 2010 Stanley Cup run. Um, So, Tony, I'm going to title this episode uh, the start of something good. It was. Yes. Um, And we need something good in these times where everyone is quarantined. NHL has told players to, you know, return to their home countries, their home cities, wherever, um, because we just don't know right now. Uh, We wish we had more concrete, solid information, but we know as much as you do right now. Um, It's all up in the air. People don't know how long this thing is going to last, how long people are going to have to be in quarantine, how long events of more than whatever it is, 50 people, I think, is a ban in Illinois. are how long that's all going to be in place. So uh, it's, you know, kind of, it's weird, extremely weird times. I'd never experienced anything like this in my life, Tony. Um, maybe post 9-11, people didn't go out as much, but that was more of a self kind of, uh, you know, govern sort of thing, whereas this one is literally mandated. So um, interesting times, but hey, we are here. I think everybody could use a distraction. All you see all day, if you're on social media, if you're watching the news, whatever it may be, all you're hearing is coronavirus updates. We are going to put that to rest at least for a good chunk of your night here and recap the Blackhawks kicking off the start of something good tone. 2-0 winner. Shut out. Anti Niemi of the Nashville Predators tonight. Thoughts first, on the game over. First off, first off, uh, you know, I when I heard that this was happening, my first reaction to this whole entire thing is I get to watch Marion Hosa play fucking hockey again. Yes. 
And man, if there's something that just gets me excited and happy, and this is probably the first smile I've had on my face in a fucking week, <laughs> it's getting to see Marion Hosa skate. It's getting to see Marion Hosa take that fucking clap bomb of a slap shot. It's getting to see Marion Hosa on the back check and just work people. God damn, I love Marion Hosa. And the the only regret I have in my life is that we didn't start this sooner because I would just gush over Marion Hosa on every single Blackhawks on tap highlight from like 2010 all the way up through his entire Blackhawks career. I love that guy. He is my favorite athlete of all time. And, and just just hearing that they were going to replay this, threw my Hosa jersey on right away. As you can see, I've got it on here. I know the listeners can't see it, but got my Marion Hosa jersey on. I've been wearing it for a couple hours now. God, I needed this. Now, if we're talking about the game in general, this is a game that was played a little, a little like ten years ago, man. But it, it's April, been a April, little yeah. over. Yeah, April. I'm I'm trying April to get here. April so, twenty ten. Uh, just about ten years ago. So the actual details and essence of the game have kind of faded from memory. I remember certain highlights from it, but not exactly to the point as much as I remember some of the actual Stanley Cup games, Johnny. Um, and, and I'm not a big, you know, rewatch games guy. Uh, I know I like to go back and watch the White Sox win the World Series from time to time or some of the highlights from all of these cup runs um, from my favorite teams here, the Hawks and the Sox. But some of the games like this, like tonight, for me, there's enough fade from memory where I can watch this game and really start to pick things apart and watch it not as if it's new, because we know the outcome, but enough where it becomes entertaining for me to sit through the entire thing. Yep. And so I was really excited for this one. Um and I can't wait to get into this and break this down because I had a lot of takeaways from this and there's going to be a lot of comparisons to today's team that we have throughout this because man, just right off the bat here, initial reaction, I miss watching Blackhawks hockey the way this game was played. Yeah, and it was actually interesting. I was over um, having, you know, a little St. Patrick's Day celebration. Don't worry, we were under the, uh, you know, quarantine limit, whatever that is. Um, but I was watching, and my aunt had asked me, um, you know, what uh, spot differences. And I said, well, for one, they're just much faster because they're so much younger. Um, I think that was the biggest takeaway for me. It's like you kind of forget how fresh these guys were at the beginning of this thing. Um, Tony, before we really, uh, you know, I had asked you for initial reactions, but I do kind of want to set the scene here. So first of all, the date was, as I'd mentioned, April 18th, 2010, Western Conference quarterfinals, first round. Uh, this was game two. So setting the scene for this one, Tony, in 2009, 2008-2009, Blackhawks yes. finally get back onto the map. Uh, they go to the Western Conference final and run into a juggernaut uh, Detroit Red Wings team. And, you know, uh, they fall in that series. I think that one might have went 4-1 um, in favor of the Red Wings uh, that year. But the Blackhawks coming out and they took a lead early in game one or not early in the middle of game one in period two. And then they kind of collapsed a little bit in the third period, um, two goals against them uh, towards the middle of that frame and then pulled the goalie early and had two more empty netters tacked on against them. So um, you're thinking, and it's like, especially if you're on the edge of your seat and watching this at the time, um, 
it's like it, obviously not a must win at the time since all these are you know seven game series here but you're getting a little nervous you're like oh shit like uh are the Nashville Predators gonna stop us out in round one um after you know going to the Western Conference final last year we think this is the start of you know momentum building here in Chicago and you come out and lose 4-1 game one uh on home ice to kick off these playoffs. Uh, but no, anti Niemi, a uh, big part of that. And also just the Blackhawks dominating offensively in game two here. Um, uh, obviously you had said, I think you put out a tweet and I, I like that a lot. You said it should be four out Blackhawks at this point, And you were totally right. Yeah. I mean, this offense, man, I, and there was names coming out of the woodwork here. And I mean, they're, they're not, they're not, bad names they're not guys who are like the role players we see on this team today i don't know if you can even call them role players but like you start to bring up some of the some of the bottom six here and you're talking about guys like andrew ladd and like fucking uh mad thomas kopetsky thomas kopetsky he was one of the guys that i i realized today like i kind of forgot about him just a Mm -hmm. little bit you know what i mean like he was in people's faces this entire game. Um, you know, you forget Colin Frazier. You forget some of the defenders that were on this team, too. Like, uh, you know, one of the guys that I'm going to get into here, too, is Brent Sopel, a guy that's been yes. on this show before. The way that Brent Sopel was blocking pucks, I didn't really realize this, Johnny. Do you think Brent Sopel molded Nicholas Jalmerson? Because I didn't really start to think about this until tonight. Yeah. Was that... You watch this game and you watch the way that Brent Sopel plays defense, and then you go off and you watch the next four or five years of Nicholas Jalmerson, and it's like watching, you know, like a, a, a fucking teacher pass something down onto somebody else. And it was just amazing. There's so many things that I, I, I gained out of watching this game tonight, just the style, the way they played, the way that they just conducted themselves on the ice. And then you you start to make you start to draw these lines to other things that happened in Blackhawks history, and, and of course we haven't watched the full season of the tw- of the 2010 Hawks, and I almost want to now. I don't even know if that's available somewhere, but damn, like the way Brent Sopel played in this game, he probably saved two goals. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding. I didn't I didn't realize that ten years ago. Or maybe I did in the moment, but then forgot it because you got Patrick Kane coming out there with a, a an excellent celebration. And those are the moments to stick in your mind. The little things, the little things that the Hawks were able to do, just phenomenal. And if you want to break it down more, we can. But man, like stuff like this, this is this is this is exactly what I wanted out of it, and I got yeah. it. Yeah, so I have a specific comment on that, um, actually, what you were referring to, and um, that was, you know, relating to Brent Sopel and his style of play and if it, you know, translates to Nicholas Jalmerson. And, yeah, I think that you're right. I I think the teacher metaphor there um, is a good one. I think that kind of uh, maybe not completely. I do think Nicholas Jalmerson was also kind of just built that way and had that mentality. Um, What do they call him? Swedish Viking, uh, I believe that was Mm it. A nickname, one of the many nicknames for Jalmerson, obviously Hammer being the most common one but um i definitely see your point there but back during just watching all these games because i was think about this i was a sophomore in high school during this tony um finishing up my sophomore year of high school uh down the stretch here and i 
would watch the games uh, every night with uh, one of my good buddies, Chris Jelinek. Um, and we would always get together, watch all of these. We watched a bunch of regular season games together, watched uh, pretty much every single playoff game together, at least everyone that we could get together for. And we had always said that Brent Sopel might as well be the number two goalie on the depth chart with how many shots he blocked. Um, and I think it was, you know, just watching that tonight, some of the sprawling plays that he had. And, you know, uh, Brent Sopel, not, not the fastest guy in the world, not the, um, you know, most, I'd say, you know, athletically built. Like when you're looking at those other guys, Keith and Seabrook, obviously young, way younger at their primes and Brent Sobel being more of a veteran guy here. But shit, he's still playing over 20 minutes. 2032, he logged in this game, Tony. Yeah. Uh, just a, absolutely crazy uh, to think about. But I, I just wanted to throw my two cents in there because I kind of just remember some of the commentary. And this is big before like the social media age it's like sure i think i had a you know twitter account like shortly like after that or whatever but it's not like today where we have the four feathers podcast account where i'm tweeting out you know it was nice to go back and kind of give thoughts uh live during this uh since i run that during uh in-game stuff and just kind of point out some of these things so uh it's nice to get on here on the podcast and bounce them off of you as well dude i mean this is you know same kind of mentality here um i was watching these games uh, myself, uh, I had just met uh, my wife uh, at this time. Uh, we weren't married just yet, but uh, watched all these games with her and uh, and another contributor uh, to uh, ONTAP Sportsnet, Pat Bodeway. Uh, you you brought up the the twenty nine hawk or twenty oh nine hawks uh, a little bit earlier. Uh, that's who I watched a lot of this stuff with too. Uh, I had just graduated out of. Uh, out of high school as a freshman in college when all this was going on. It's also really different too, when you watch these games and you're able to have a few beers and, and just kind of relax mm-hmm. a little bit during them. Um, so you can actually pick apart some, some finer points uh, rather than like sit on the edge of your seat. Uh, so I really enjoyed that tonight as well, but yeah, kind of, kind of interesting concept here. Like, you know, you and I have broke down what probably, hundred plus Hawks games together. Uh, now that we've, uh, been doing this for about yeah. two years, Johnny, um, you go back to some of these teams that we didn't get the, the joy of watching together and breaking this down now. Um, you know, the other thing that kind of sticks out to me too, is we talk a lot about time on ice and I know we're speaking in general terms here cause we haven't broke this down period by period, but you look at Ben Eager, 640, Callan Frazier, 717, Jordan Hendry, a name that probably, if, if you're going through uh, like Blackhawks trivia, uh, Jordan Hendry is probably a name that most people would get wrong. Um, yeah. Eight minutes, seven seconds on ice. Uh, Kopeski got 927, and I still felt like I saw him a ton on the ice tonight. Um, there's a lot of lopsidedness to this here, even though Q you special, go back baby. and look at this. You go back and you look at this and you're like, they were rolling four lines all night. That's kind of how it felt. Yeah, there there but, was a decent amount of uh, special teams time, too, in the middle of this. Like, yes. you get the penalty summary. And so that that does play into it. We know that. But, yeah, no, it definitely does feel like it more so than um, some of the stuff that we see modern day. Um, oh, yeah. It, it, Absolutely. Rip on some guys. But, you know, you have the Matthew Highmores and camps and games that you just don't even notice them. Um Whereas it seems like, you know, oh, yeah, sure. Like, I think a good example is Thomas Kopetsky, uh, 13 shifts, 927 total. But in that, he's efficient and has two, you know, uh, shots on net. Um, just interesting to see. 
Um, and he was a what a, he, he came over as a free agent before uh, the season had started too, before that 2010 season. So um, just guys like being said, effective, but I, guys I, being effective yeah. in their time. Yeah. And that's something that we haven't seen for a while. Um, you know, as we go into this too, a little bit more, uh, Troy Brower is another name. That, that he he was really effective, and a lot, the other thing too that I noticed during this, Johnny, the Hawks were not afraid to go into corners, to go after pucks and hit people. Mm-hmm. And I I remember vaguely thinking like you know maybe this is more of the 2015 2013 being like we're the weaker team. You know I go back to that Anaheim Ducks series that 2015 where the Ducks just thought that they could out-hit the Hawks. Yeah. Nobody was out-hitting this team, the 2010 team. Dustin Bufflin, man, what a force. Like, there there was just... You young know, Dustin ben, Bufflin. A young Dustin Bufflin, what a force. Ben Eager laying people out. Dave Boland fighting for every single fucking puck. Just amazing. I don't know if you want to bring this back a little bit and and start to go through the scoring, uh, but man, like I could just I could pick this game apart for hours. Yeah, um, it, we will. We'll, we'll do it. You know what, Tony? We we might as well um, we, when we get on these things and do a Blackhawks on tape post game show. Obviously, it's usually our live reaction right after um, a game concludes that we just watched live. Um, but we we can go back and talk about these kind of how we do it in that same format here because we did just watch it live since NBC Sports Chicago has been um, you know helping us through this quarantine uh, by starting this thing up these Hawks classics. So um, first period Blackhawks out shoot uh, the Predators big time in that one. But Pecorino stands tall uh, ends up at zero zero and I think the Hawks still uh, outshot the Preds by at least six or seven uh, in that opening frame. But then uh, in the second is where um, you know, Blackhawks take advantage of a Jordan Tutu penalty. And Jordan Tutu, a player that would, you know, in the future be on the Blackhawks. Uh, just interesting to see some of these names roll through here, Tone. Right. Um, but, I, I was thinking but, that same thing. But he takes he takes a tripping penalty, Jordan Tutu playing for Nashville at this point. Um, and you, you watch that first power play. And I was, you know, I couldn't get it out before the goal had happened. But man, um, good luck going against Dave Boland, Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Marion Hosa. Uh, and I believe Big Buff was out on the back end of that one, but he might as well have been a forward because obviously we know in future rounds they'd end up using him more as a forward and for net front presence on that power play. But I believe that is who was out there uh, when that goal was scored. Um, and Dave Boland, uh, nice backhander, uh, Rister, uh, after Pecorine kind of slides over to that left post. Um, and Dave Boland gets a, you know, kind of a pass that, you know, pass shot, whatever you want to call it, a little deflected off of a defender skate, I believe. And uh, Boland gets on the backhand and makes no mistake about it. Hits the wide open net. So uh, that was opening the scoring. And uh, I love to see goals from the rat tone. I love to see goals from the rat too, man. And that's not just because he came on our show, but I genuinely think like if you, if you take the 2010 to, you know, 2015 Hawks and you move them up here, and I know he wasn't part of that 2015 team, but if you take them up and you you put them in the Four Feathers pod era, Dave Boland would be, like, the guy that we are talking about nonstop. Would he not be? Yeah, no. Like, is he not the definition? Like, besides Marion Hosa, 
And you know, you, everybody knows the, the core: the Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Marion Hosa, and all the all the favorites. Yeah. But Dave Boland would probably be like our guy, wouldn't he? Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Especially because, and one thing I also noticed from Dave Boland, it was a little bit later in the game. I think in the third period, after Niemi had iced a puck, and you know, there's a whole scrum out in front of the net. Obviously, Nashville trying to get back into it, trying to um, poke away at it. And Dave Boland had no one shit. He, he gives a cross check to someone's back um, as they're trying to pile on Niemi, and then uh, as another guy tries to get a stick in there, Boland turns around and you know, absolutely slashes it out of his hands. Um, I know you, you, we talk about you know Shaw, maybe someone like that who. who may do that but he seems to get called for it more Bolin had a way there's a reason they called him the rat getting under the other team's skin um and doing things in an effective way and it was you knew you weren't gonna fuck with the Blackhawks when Dave Bolin was on the ice so yeah absolutely Dave Bolin cool and tough definitely would be another one um of our favorites here in this modern era obviously is from the cup era but um in the modern area put a player like that in there and he definitely would be another guy that I want to notice who had a little bit of an edge to his game in the playoffs and fully during this because it was a fully in Conroy call. Another one, if you're talking about guys that would be our guys, four feathers guys, Tony is Patrick Sharp, man. Um, you know, it fully had said himself that Patrick Sharp hitting not a huge part of his game, but obviously showing that he's uh, willing to do whatever it takes uh, come playoff time. And I thought that was, you know, totally spot on because he ends up assisting uh, on the second goal that we're going to get to uh, the one tally in the third period in a little bit here. But you also see him running the body. I think, you know, he had like what they said, three hits in the like game one. And then um, he definitely added on at least two more that I can remember vividly um, in the second game here, too. Uh, he was not afraid to go and throw the body around. Um, and it was just awesome to see. So I think Patrick Sharp probably would have been another one of my guys. Uh, if you're talking four feathers guys here, Tone. Yeah. Three hits on the night there from Patrick Sharp. Um, you know, he didn't get the recognition that, uh, you know, Kane, Taze, Seabrook, Keith, maybe even Marion Hosa did, but Patrick Sharp was essential. He was absolutely essential to all of these runs. Um, he he probably would have been another one of our guys here. I, I agree with you. Um, I don't know if it's maybe just kind of like I, I I don't know if I want to call him a pretty boy, but he kind of he he kind of still had that edge the entire time where mm-hmm. he was still like a badass while being a good looking motherfucking dude that like yeah still maintained that pretty face right like so there's yeah. there's something 100%. there too. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I just, there's so many things about this team that just gives me the fucking goosebumps, man. Like, and I had them the whole game. I had yeah. them the whole time I was you, watching this. It, it's just incredible. It's just incredible. Yeah. Pat Patrick Sharp underappreciated in my opinion. And I think he got a lot of appreciation, but I still think he's underappreciated. Yeah, I, I think you're totally right there. And then um, another just observation from it as we're looking through these first couple of periods here from this game, um, just the speed. Uh, I talked about it, just hinted at it a little bit earlier, but the speed of guys, the young defensemen at that time of Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook, man, you see uh, Seabs just skating up into the play. Uh, it seemed like almost every time. Um, obviously he's defensively aware, so he'd stay back when he needed to, um, to be the safety valve when need be. But there were other times it's like, Hey, he's like, I'm going to the right to the fucking middle of the slot. And if you can hit me on the tape, I'm going to bury this thing. 
Um, that, that was a, you know, one of his in Duncan Keith spinning, turning, uh, digging pucks out, um, recoverability from him. And, and the thing is, that's ridiculous to think if we're drawing, you know, uh, looking at some guys that are, were on this team that are still on this team, obviously core members, uh, in a Duncan Keith, it makes you appreciate Duncan Keith from 2019, 20 Blackhawks so much more, Tony. Oh. At 36 years old, 37. Yeah. <sighs> just at a loss for words with some of the stuff man like I, I this was this was just such a take back moment and i hate to keep going back to this over and over again but you, you watch the progression right you watch the progression over the years and you still see what some of these guys are doing now and you mentioned a guy like duncan keith still logging 20 plus minutes every single night and then you go back and you watch something like tonight It hasn't changed. The effort hasn't changed. The style hasn't changed. Maybe he's lost a step. And you you just brought up the speed. And, and I think a little bit before that, you brought up how young and hungry they were. It was just, it was mind-blowing to watch this and see that we still have a lot of that talent right there. And I think what's frustrating, and I hate to bring back into you know current Blackhawks times here, you watch the speed that's there. Some of these guys still have that. Minus one, maybe. But them in their prime. And I don't even think 2010 was the prime for all these guys. Because still building Patrick up Kane, to it, man. Patrick Kane, Jonathan Tate. Like they were, yeah, they were still building up to it. This wasn't even like the best that they were. And yet... You know, their talent levels are probably somewhere, you know, if you look at the peak and then the downfall, they're probably still somewhere where they were near in 2010 and they're not able to put stuff together right now is incredibly fucking frustrating. You know, that I think that mm-hmm. that kind of thought process is 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 not healthy because the the decline and, and the just the getting into the 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 whole mentality of glory days type thinking, but still you watch this and you knew tonight, if you were watching this after seeing the whole past 10 years unfold, that they weren't even at their prime. And you look at a guy like Duncan Keith or even Brent Seabrook, man, Brent Seabrook was stepping in front of people, just absolutely leveling them without even putting much effort into doing anything other than standing in their way. Yeah. Like they're, they're, Man, it's just, oh, I love this type of hockey. I loved watching playoff was, atmosphere hockey. That's yeah. another thing, too. Blackhawks playoffs, I don't know if anything comes close to it from, like, a feeling standpoint. From a pure sports fan, Chicago sports fan, if you're watching a playoff team, I don't think any other playoff runs outside of the Hawks runs in the last few years. Maybe the Bulls, but nothing else comes close to it in the last 15 20 years yeah obviously um just side note here uh tony and i are both white Sox fans so that you know everyone's going to talk about the most recent one being the cubs there but we kind of uh like to put that out of we like to put that out of our memories as tony just said it did not happen so anyway apologies to our cubs fan listeners but we're also not sorry because we're white Sox. so anyway 
anyway, just getting back to this uh, overall style, man, uh, fast, uh, intense, um, driven. Uh, I think those are three really good words to uh, describe uh, this style of game. And they needed to play that in this third period, a uh, period that came with penalties aplenty, Tony. Um, I'm looking up and down this thing. Penalty summary, uh, most of any period here. I know they got a little chippy at the end where, you know, Sharp's getting a two, you know, double one for high sticking and roughing towards the end. But um, early on, uh, Predators get a chance to, um, you know, climb back into this thing as they're down 1-0. Um, it would have had the, excuse me, down 2-0 at that point because let's, you know, stop before this, before I get into those penalties. Um, I was just kind of going more of the style there. But um, in the third period, uh, Patrick Sharp, a uh, guy that I had mentioned earlier, being, you know, he's a four feathers guy. Uh, if he's still around here today uh, playing with this team, uh, obviously at the level that he was at 2010. But uh, he advances a puck uh, up the sidewall uh, at the 418 mark a little bit before that. Uh, gets up Patrick Kane. Uh, he got another guy streaking towards the net, but Patrick Kane does this, you know, we say it now and it's not like it, it's easy to say now after watching him all these years, vintage Patrick Kane. But this is a start of describing what would be vintage Patrick Kane. Wait, wait, wait. You know what? Fuck it. No one's open. I'm just going to shoot. And he just snipes top shelf. Beautiful. That was at the 418 mark. Uh, and that was the second final goal of this game. The celebration on this goal was phenomenal, too, Johnny. Like I like the, we've seen this from Patrick Kane time and time again, obviously, now that we've like we're we're ten years into the future, but right then and there, seeing Patrick Kane go down, lift a fist up, and just celebrate there, an electric moment in Chicago sports history, in my opinion. There, because you're you're talking about this team who's just starting this run towards the cup, and Patrick Kane, as we know, winds up scoring the the game winner in the final here spoiler alert for anybody who doesn't know um and if you hey, don't Bullen actually uh, gets the game winner because that first no, 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 no. i'm talking about i'm talking about at oh, the, at the oh, end at of the this, end, this yeah. at the very end of this whole cup whole winner, thing cup winner. That's the cup winner yes um but right then and there like you're like okay a, a, a two goal lead and, and you preface this with the hawks are coming off of a loss in front of their home crowd. Now everybody's pumped up. You've got a comfortable lead. Not that two goals is, is too comfortable, but it's a comfortable lead in this game because Anthony Niemi is just standing on his fucking head. You hear the crowd just erupt after that goal. And, man, like th- that's what starts this whole thing rolling because, Johnny, you, you talked about it a little bit ago. If, if the Hawks come out and... and blow another gasket in this game what the fuck like everybody's gonna be wondering whether or not they belong here yeah because with the next two games being in nashville i think that's the biggest concern there you go down 2-0 and a one goal lead fine you're still in the lead but you're sitting on the edge of your seat you get that two goal lead you're a little bit comfortable that moment right there at least for me watching this game is okay. We've got some security. The boys are buzzing. I think you tweeted that from Four I Feathers did. right I after did. that. They that's were. Exa- Dude, for the that's second, a- for, 
that's the other thing too. They stepped on the gas. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but that's why I put that there because after that, you had a couple of chances. This thing that's where then you came in with it could have been four yep. zero, and I'll let you elaborate on that in a second. But I said, boys are buzzing because Andrew Ladd comes in and he's driving straight through the crease, trying to you know backhand one in as he's falling over. You got um you know but other guys generating scoring chances. Marion Hosa I think had another good one shortly after that goal was scored. Um and then obviously some penalties there uh, where the kill needed to be strong, but man. Um, it was nice to see, you know, refreshing to go back and look at that and say that they did have a killer mentality. And that's something that we have harped on here on four feathers for recent years, teams not having a killer mentality. Yeah, they could, they could have, they could have, and watching recent Hawks games, what you would expect is them to then fall back into this defensive minded style of play. But they didn't. They continued to put the pressure on, and that's why I said like they should be up four nothing right now. The boys are buzzing. They're still generating quality scoring chances. Mm-hmm. They're getting to the slot. They're moving the puck around. The power play. God, I think I have to retract some words because we've talked about it on on some post game shows this year. I'm like even through the cup runs, you know, the power play is moving the puck around and they're not shooting. I saw plenty of quality shots tonight on the power play mm-hmm. that may not have gone in. Yeah. They were able to move the puck right. around and generate some some open chances. Yeah, Tony, I think one thing, though, and I think it's a partial retraction on your part because there was another year. I forget exactly when. Um, but in the future, I do remember going forward for some of those other cup-winning teams where the power play was, as you had said, kind of the same as it looks right now. Um, a lot around the perimeter, but yeah, for this one though, I think it just had a different mentality. Um, and part of that was driven by the players like shit. When you got Dave Bowen on power play one there, um, think things are going to be a little different. You're bringing up another, you bring up Dave Bowen again. Um, I remember the, uh, the, the past play where, uh, one of the goals that should have been was Hosa trying to find Bowen over there down in the slot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, there were good looks. There were good looks, and I think that that's what the difference is when I compare now to then is, yeah, they moved the puck around. They were still floating around the perimeter. The mentality is still the same. However, they were able to get themselves enough separation to generate a quality look, and even if they tried to pass it in to the slot area or somewhere up high where they could they could take a shot off. Maybe it ends up getting blocked on a good play from a defender. Whereas right now, it seems like they're passively moving it around, waiting for that exact opportunity to happen, rather than trying to generate something the way they were in this game. I, I don't really know the words to explain it, but that's just how it felt for me. Yeah. That, no, and I think you make a good point there. Um, oh, one other point that I, I just wanted to bring up because it was kind of we were trending in that direction there, uh, and obviously there's some power play and special team stuff to talk about in between. But you talk about, um, and I brought it up too, them pressing, putting the foot on the gas, having the killer mentality, still looking to attack even after having that two-goal lead. Um, a lot of that has to do with the back end. Um, and, you know, you talk about in this new modern age of hockey, um, and this is really when it was coming about, and the Hawks really helped kind of revolutionize uh, the game in a way. I'm not saying they're responsible for it, not trying to be those pompous fans, but they were because of the style that they played. Um, it, when you look at this, and I'm looking at uh, the advanced stats from this game at five on five, this is what we always give when we talk about the course before, all of that stuff after uh, a breakdown of our, you know, modern day games here. 
Um, we'll get some of these defensemen here, and obviously there's other Hall of Famers on the forward court here. But man, Brent Seabrook, twenty three point eight. Corsi relative, uh, that's all in the positive. Whereas a guy like Patrick Sharp, a, a forward there uh, in the red at negative 20. Uh, Duncan Keith at uh, 19.5. Corsi relative, uh, man, these guys are lucky to be getting into the you know 15-ish range uh, on a good night here, it seems, from our back end uh, in the 2019-20 Blackhawks. 20. So I just think that um, can't go understated how much they were willing to press the issue uh, and still pinch a little bit when when they saw their opportunity and obviously the legs have a lot to do with that when you feel fresh when you're still young when you're still you know have that extra step on the guy that you're when going you're still up 22 instead of 30 yeah and i know i understand that take all that into account but i think that's um just it can't go understated how uh maybe the forwards get a lot more credit for this i know people love dunks and we love sieves and everyone does i know that but the forwards got all the credit and especially for say new hockey fans at the time, because it was exciting. It was new. They're finally good. Um, so you, of course you're going to get people call them bandwagoners. People that have been around forever, uh, the lifers, but you know, people getting into it new, they see the sexy plays. They see the Patrick Kane snipes. They see the Patrick sharp clap bombs. They see the Marion Hosa, you know, carry in and just absolutely uh, undress a goaltender and go backhand. Uh, and they see Jonathan Taves uh, out in front of the net tipping pucks in. Um, that all gets, you know, obviously the goals uh, get all the credit and obviously got to score the goals to win the game. But man, where do you generate that from? A lot of it from the back end. And these young defensemen did that. Yep. Great. Yep. Ab- absolutely. And that's why I brought up uh, like the Brent Sopel plays and the Brent Seabrook stuff. And, you know, you generated from the from the back end. There was relentless pressure throughout this game, um, whether or not it was the back check or just back pressure, even when they're in their own zone, to go lift sticks, to do the little things that you just don't see the Hawks doing right now. And, man, it was a joy At to At least watch. not across the board. Not across no, the board. No, not across the board. I think that's that you preface that well. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, because I will see uh, occasionally. Like, I, I love a good Kirby Doc back check. Yes. He just absolutely steals Kirk- it and all that. That's Kirby Doc is the one name um, that I think is uh, I I think that he plays the game the same way that some of these young guys were playing it. Um, It's just unfortunate that you don't have that that whole core of Kirby Docs. You know what I mean? That's what you're seeing right here with this 2010 team. You're seeing a bunch of Kirby Docs, right? Inexperienced, but yet have tons of raw skill, know how to play the game. They have the want, they have the need, they have the legs, they have all of it right there, but they're not completely polished. And then you have some veterans, guys like Marion Hosa, guys like uh, Patrick Sharp um, at this point in time, if we're talking 2010, that can kind of guide you through that. Even mm-hmm. a guy like John Madden, a, a role player, yep. a guy who's been around the league for a long time, able to kind of coach these guys up and, and take them to the promised land. Uh, but if we're looking at this game as a whole, Johnny, I mean, like just, it was the best Hawks game I've watched all year. Yeah. <laughs> that, hey, it's sad that, to say, but it's true. Yeah. That's uh, man. I would say I will uh, go ahead and just disagree because the game I was at when, and grand, this is a milestone one, but when Kaner got his thousandth point, I was in attendance. So watching that from the 300 level at my end, um, I will say that was the best Blackhawks game that I've watched um, this year. Uh, I will go ahead and differ with you on that, but uh, I, I totally, TV. I totally on understand. TV. Yeah. On TV. Let's, 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 
let's go set a level here because yes, obviously that was that was awesome. I, I loved the Q game, even though it didn't wind up the way we wanted it to. Um, from a nostalgia standpoint, that was great. But if we're sitting at home cracking some beers, watching the game, this was the best Blackhawks televised game in 2020. Yeah. Yes or no? I, I think, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the biggest thing behind that, too, is just, the, I mean, the playoff atmosphere. You've already touched on it multiple times. But, man, I, I got so excited for this game, even as a, you know, sophomore in high school, you know, um, just th- that was even like at school, like all day. That was, you know, walking through the halls, just talking to people and be like, oh, man, they got to get back on track tonight. They got to, you know. It's like, fuck baseball practice after school. I just want to get home and watch the game. And that's, you know, what I did. Um, and it was, I appreciate it during the time. I really did. Um, I was tuned in. I watched every game that 29, 2010 season. Um, but man, going back and watching it now, uh, it's like you said, it's still things that give me goosebumps. And I think that is cool. And we may be lame and just super, you know, say, you know, you're just, you know, addicted. You don't have anything else to do. Um, but man, I, it's, we miss sports and it's, it's, it's the only thing that we got right now. So. Here, here's the other thing too, though. Does it take something? And this is a question that's on like an honestly asked question. Does it take something like a, a, a global pandemic to shut down sports and give you kind of a palate cleanser. You know, we've, we've had a few days without sports. We've had a few days without having to evaluate anything. The palate is cleansed. It's just like drinking another wine or whiskey or beer, and you're going to evaluate it. Does it take something like this to then come back and fully appreciate something like the 2010 Blackhawks? Because... You know, Comiskey and I sat through all the highlights from 2010, 2013, made it halfway through 2015 before we passed out at 5 a.m. on my basement floor, uh, like about four weeks ago, uh, before all this coronavirus shit. But does it take that palate cleanser to really sit back, watch these games, and appreciate them the way that they should be appreciated? I think it may. And you, I, what I think is the biggest thing is you appreciate it more because it's, first of all, it's finally something on. And that's why we're so, you know, grateful. I put out a tweet from the main account. If you're looking for the full schedule of these games, and we'll get into what's coming up next soon. But if you go over to Ontap Sportsnet, uh, his Twitter account, we posted this full schedule of games. So I think you're, you know, you're more grateful for it. Um, you're grateful to have, you know, sports to watch again. Um, and obviously these are the glory days, man. Uh, we, we are reliving them. Might as well make the intros for these glory days. Um, but I think it's, it's fair to say that yes, even though I have in the past, I've gone back and maybe not watched, you know, early on games like this, but, uh, other deciding games like, uh, you know, one in the Vancouver series, the Buffalo and hat trick game, I've definitely gone back and watched that. So there are other occasions uh, on which I have done it and appreciate it too. But I think this would make me appreciate it even more as soon as we get there, um, and get to this Canucks series. Cause they're going to run through this whole 2010 cup run, uh, as they get through it. But yeah, Tony, uh, I think that is a fair assessment and it sucks that takes that to happen. But I mean, life moves fast and there's a lot going on. People are busy. It's like no one has all the time in the world to go back and really sit through and analyze these games. So, yeah, I think the answer is yes. That's long winded from me there, but there's a lot of factors that go into it. But yeah, I think overall, I think so. 
Yeah, I mean, I I generally wouldn't go back and sit through these. You know, maybe sometime in the in the dead of summer or as hawk season starts to come like into into mindset in uh, you know late August as we're getting into you know the time where training camp's going to happen. We 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 generally go back and watch highlights, but to actually sit through a game, watch it, analyze it, and, you know, maybe it's just because we're on a microphone right now and breaking it down uh it's getting the full attention it deserves i'm I'm actually pretty excited to go through all of these um uh, maybe we'll we'll probably try and get to every single one of these as they go through but um yeah as long as we got a couple to get on the mic i think we'll we'll do them because man we're missing our sports we're missing doing these as much as if you know we appreciate the people that have reached out uh jeremy and um i believe uh there's another there too um, there's been a few people who yeah, said, there's been a few, if you there's guys, been a few if you guys are getting on the mic after this, I'll listen. Yeah. And I appreciate that. That means a lot to us um, in this downtime. Yeah, at least I, to me. I want to give the shout out and I don't want to get the name wrong here because there's another one who had specifically asked after we put um, yeah, uh, Sandra Muir um uh, on twitter uh she is the one that responded and asked will there be a post-game podcast and jeremy obviously also said if you guys get loaded and do this obviously it's st patrick's day so we're loaded um <laughs> and we're doing this so he said he would tune in and listen as well so we appreciate everyone that reaches out and interacts with us because man we gotta stay together uh during this shit it sucks especially being quarantined not being able to meet up big groups not being able to see any of our listeners uh followers out at the united center tony it sucks so if we can do something like this and connect with you uh and you guys appreciate it um we'll, we'll keep doing them We'll keep doing them as often as we can, and we'll try to get all of these, man. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it, Johnny. Um, I know what the ending is, but I'm still excited. Like it's going to be Christmas Day for when? When do they have that schedule? Like April fifteenth ish. Uh, yeah, so the the uh, Cup Final uh, Game Six against the Flyers will be Thursday, April sixteenth. Okay, April sixteenth. I was one day off. One day off. Not not bad. Um, I'm excited for the April 16th post game show. Yeah, I'm very fucking excited for the I April really 15th, hope, 16th post game show. I really hope. I, I know Comiskey's work schedule may play into this, but I hope we can get as many as possible from the Four Feathers crew on here. At least you, me, and Ron, um, for that one, Tony. Um, let, let's wrap this one up. Just final uh, recapping this two zero. Blackhawks win over the Predators, the start of something good indeed. Uh, first win of the 16 needed on that first Stanley Cup run. Um, so this episode will be the start of something good, and shit was it. Because uh, think back now, obviously we know uh, what happened. We know what happened in years after. Um, and we know the spiral that it took after that that third championship down downward. Um so going back, it'll really help us all appreciate these a little bit more and we'll get to do it and get into some of the intricate details that uh, most would forget um, in these because we're going to see uh, every win that um, came during this one. So we've put, you know, the we still done our victory videos because you don't want that thing to get rusty, man. Um, I put that out from Forefathers tonight. Usually comes from the main on tap account, but I want to do the countdown. So I wanted our Blackhawks followers to be, you know, the first ones in on that. So uh, I put one down, fifteen to go, and we'll just keep rolling through it um, every time that it airs. Tony, uh, next one that is going to air is Thursday, March nineteenth, Game Four of the uh, Western Conference Quarterfinals, uh, Blackhawks at Predators. So I'm looking forward uh, to breaking that one down as well. Absolutely, Johnny. I'll be here right there with you. We'll break that one down as well. 
Um, that one's a special one right there. Um, and we'll keep going with these. They're all special, actually, as I think about it now. Uh, any Blackhawks playoff victory is a special victory for Hawks fans. And I, I can't wait to just watch this whole thing uh, unfold um, almost as if I've never seen it before. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, uh, this is this is cool. This is actually kind of a, a cool moment um, in some kind of dark times uh, for a lot of people. Uh, but it's provided us, Johnny, with an opportunity I think, and that's an interesting word during during these times, an opportunity to go back and watch these things, break them down together. Um, could, because honestly, uh, one thing that we've talked about is, you know, we, we weren't together during the cup run uh, as, as a group, as, as mm-hmm. Four Feathers Pod. We weren't, we, weren't, <laughs> we weren't around at that point in time together to break these games down, to talk about them after, uh, to look at them in depth. And this is actually giving us the opportunity to do so. Granted, I would trade this for some actual real action and, and quite honestly, uh, cracking beers with you and Lot B uh, next week. But uh, the fact that we get to break these games down, look at them in depth and go through this. And again, another special thanks to NBC Sportsnet for providing us with that opportunity to do so. Um this this is kind of cool, um, and I'm looking forward to doing this uh, every other night. Yeah, yeah absolutely, Tony. Um, one thing that, you know, this is still Blackhawks on tap. Usually uh, we'd give any news um, day-to-day kind of stuff here, so we will at the end fill out um, as we can uh, as well. We said we didn't know much. Um, obviously on timelines and obviously that's still uh, in effect because uh, we're probably not going to know much for another at least couple more weeks before they even start probably having discussions, Tony. But um, unfortunately, uh, unfortunate news from Elliot Friedman on Twitter, um, Sportsnet. He says there's word tonight that Ottawa Senator player is tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, this would be the NHL's first positive test. Initial word is symptoms are not serious. Team is expected to make an official announcement. So um, we'd seen it first in the NBA and obviously that's kind of what uh, led to they kind of got the ball rolling with all the league shutting down Um, that was right after we had done our last one our last episode of this last time we talked to our listeners here Tony um, after the Blackhawks defeated the Sharks last Wednesday night and um, you know we sure it sucks world sucks without sports sucks that everything kind of feels like it's in pause and everyone's in quarantine right now but Tony the Blackhawks were supposed to host the Ottawa Senators on uh, that Friday night following. So obviously these preventative measures being taken um, the right thing to do. Yes, they were. Um, It's hard to sit there and say like, yeah, I, I I wish they would have played the game or or whatnot, but uh, absolutely the right measures. Um, I think everything that's gone on in the U S and in the world to shut some of this stuff down, what was the right thing? Um, especially after watching Contagion last night. Um, yeah, uh, if, if you're looking for a movie recommendation to scare the shit out of you during this thing, go watch Contagion. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, it, it was the right thing to do. Um, glad that uh, none of the players are going to have to deal with this, um, you know, or, or be exposed to it from, from the Blackhawks side. Uh, nothing but the best wishes to the Ottawa Senators team or anybody that's going through uh, some of this right now, a highly contagious disease that's just rattling the world right now. Uh, but, 
I mean, I, I just I hope everybody can get through this and we can get back to sports as soon as possible. Some uh, some uh, message of hope, I guess, is that uh, South Korea is already rescheduling their their basketball games uh, for the end of the month. So hopefully we can return to some normalcy um, at some point in time here, uh, hopefully in, in enough time to salvage some of the NHL season and uh uh, get baseball season underway, at least for you and I, Johnny. I'd love to get to the ballpark and uh, grab a beer and crack them in Lot B and and do everything that we're used to doing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's rough times for everybody. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed this show. Hopefully you enjoyed the uh, Blackhawks winner that was displayed on TV tonight for you. And uh, we'll be back again. We'll talk more Blackhawks uh, as we get through this all together. Yeah, uh, just some housekeeping notes to round this thing out, Tony. Make sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. I know sports are kind of in a standstill right now. We are doing our best to bring you anything and everything that we can for you on the content front. We have a pop culture section as well. Our guy Schwartz, he manages that very well over there. Um, St. Patrick's Day being the theme today. I think he touched on the Leprechaun movies there. Um, we've got other movie, TV, music, that sort of stuff uh, rolling through content-wise there as well. Um, so on the entertainment side, you can go and look for that. And then obviously any updates that are related to coronavirus, um, we will post uh, as they are in relation to their leagues, whether that be NBA, MLB, NHL um, over there. And then also um, we are going to be doing series of articles too. Um, we already have, you know, it's unfortunate and we don't know the future of what's going on, but we're going to review things up until the point of cancellation here. So um, be on the lookout for Blackhawks uh, individual updates. I know I'm writing one on Alexander Nylander. I'm going to do a season review up until the cancellation. Um, in itself, you're going to review the rookies, Tony. Uh, our guy Ron Luce is going to review the goaltender situation and the newcomers on defense. Patrick Comiskey is going to provide you with some excellent milestone and nostalgic articles. Um, so be on the lookout for that. And we're going to probably try and uh, dive into individual player reviews too um, as this next month or so rolls on. So um, we're with you. Uh, we just want to let our listeners know that. Um, and we'll be back. Talk on Thursday night. Uh, Blackhawks Predators, once again, game four of the 2010 Western Conference quarterfinals. Tony, until we are back on the mic one more time, let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks. Hawks.